Unleavened Bread Ministries presents From your hands, your feet, your side Unleavened Bread Bible Studies with David Eels Can quench my thirsting soul Pure as water made me whole Let your streams of mercy flow Oh Jesus, I trust in you Greetings, saints. Many blessings to you, in Jesus' name. Precious Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for all you've done for us through Jesus Christ and and all you're going to do, Lord. And we give praise unto you, Lord. We know this old world is going to shake, but um, we know you've given us authority in Jesus Christ and you give us power through uh, fasting and prayer, too. And uh, we thank you, Lord, for sharing these things with us. And uh, we ask you, Lord, to impress the brethren how important it is to fast and pray. And uh, I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I guess you can figure I was going to continue on talking a little bit about fasting. You know, we can see in Scripture that Ordaining ministers to any kind of a new work is often accompanied with fasting. An example is Acts 13 and 2. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Separate me, Paul and Barnabas, for the Barnabas. Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, excuse me, for the work whereunto I have called them. And um, obviously this was, they were already in one kind of a ministry, and now they're being ordained to another kind of a ministry, so they were fasting. And Acts 14 and 23 also says, And when they had appointed for them elders in every church, and had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they had believed. So obviously it was a common thing uh, for doing anything important like that uh, to be fasting, to have the Lord's direction, also to give the anointing to others to go and do their job, etc., etc. Uh, as we know, Jesus didn't start his ministry of teaching and healing the sick and performing miracles and until after he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, which also, I in that test, uh, strengthened him to resist temptations of Satan at that time. So if you're having any problems with uh, temptations, bothering spirits or whatever, uh, fasting is a good thing to do. It will give you power. It will put your flesh down. Now let your spirit man rise up. Right? Amen. You remember that Paul had been blinded and converted and then immediately started fasting for three days and he received his answer. And many times um, answers that haven't come to people in normal prayer have been answered 
through fasting. In Acts 9 and 8, Paul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. And they led him by the hand and, and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and did neither eat nor drink. And again, uh, once in a while, you'll see that fasting was without water. Uh, most commonly, fasting is done in the scriptures with water. But in this case, it wasn't. With Moses, it wasn't. So, now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said unto him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise, and go to the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one named Saul, a man of Tarsus, for behold, he prayeth. So God was hearing his prayer, right? And he had seen a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him that he might receive his sight. So God answered um, after three days with um, a revelation that was given to him, uh, which no doubt um, uh, caused his faith to rise towards God because he had seen this revelation of Ananias giving him back his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many of this man how much evil he did to thy saints at Jerusalem. Another case of a man who is barely stepping into the kingdom, getting answers from God by grace and mercy, which he did not deserve. Ananias agreed. <laughs> and he goes on to say, And here he hath authority from the chief priests to bind all that call upon thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias departed and entered into the house and laying his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, who appeared unto thee in the way which thou camest, has sent me, that thou mayest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And straightway there fell from his eyes, as it were, scales, and he received his sight, and he arose and was baptized. Well, another point you could see here <clears throat> is that Receiving the Holy Spirit. Some people have trouble receiving the Holy Spirit, whether it's their faith or whether it's some other hang-up. Uh, fasting helps with that. And um, God can answer you through fasting and prayer. And even give you a vision to empower your faith. Uh, I remember I was 
praying, and I don't remember whether I was fasting at this particular time, but I was praying to be filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of the gifts. And um, a word of knowledge came to me, and the Lord told me where I was going to be filled, and it happened just that way. So God can help your faith through fasting also. There's a man uh, named Franklin Hall who wrote many books on fasting, and one of his books was called Atomic Power with God Through Fasting. Uh, he was used of God to spark a fasting revival where many early healing and deliverance ministers got their start or found new strength because of this. And uh, the Lord knew um, this needed to be done, <clears throat> so he uh, gave this man a very specialized ministry of uh, teaching people to fast and pray. And uh, his books were read by many of the early evangelistic um, healing and deliverance ministers. Uh, one of them that was very famous was uh, T.L. Osborne. And um, he witnessed that this was, this turned his life around and gave him this ministry. Franklin Hall uh, met with um, the Osbournes in their house, and he, uh, he spoke to them concerning this. That time uh, there was a, a tent revival in Reading, Pennsylvania. And 3,000 souls came to the Lord, and many hundreds were healed from all manner of diseases. And uh, they said that the whole East was pretty well stirred by this campaign, and, and thousands were packed around the tent. Well, T.L. Osborne told uh, Franklin Hall this. He said, <clears throat> we were happy to let you know that we feel our lives have been revolutionized by fasting and praying to Jesus. It was by reading your books that we were enabled to go into many days and weeks of fasting and praying. Both my wife and I have had many deep fasting and prayer experiences. My life was so changed that God began using me in the healing ministry for which he is well known for. He's passed on today, but he's well known for that. As I began to exercise the ministry of praying for the sick, more and more folks were healed. One day, while in deep consecration, the Spirit spoke thus, My son, as I was with Price, Wigglesworth, and others, so will I be with thee. They are dead, but now it is time for you to arise, to go and do likewise. You can cast out devils, you heal the sick, you raise the dead, you cleanse the lepers. Behold, I give you power over all the power of the enemy. Be not afraid. Be strong. Be of good courage. I am with thee as I was with them. No evil power shall be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. 
as you get the people to believe my word. I used those men in their day, now I desire to use thee. The challenge of this commission, he continued to tell uh, Franklin Hall, given directly from the Lord, caused me to tremble exceedingly. But I knew God meant every word he had spoken. More uh, days and weeks of fasting and prayer followed this tremendous commission, and more healings and miracles were the result. We have been able to conduct healing campaigns already in over a dozen of our states and on the island of Jamaica. In a single campaign which we conducted as many as 125 deaf mutes, 90 totally blind, and hundreds of other equally miraculous deliverances have resulted. Happy and joyful conversions have numbered as many as 9,000 in one revival. We found people all over the island acquainted with your books and tracts. Many were fasting and praying for this revival before we came. That's another advantage, you know, uh, combined fasting and prayer is very powerful. Brother Hall, we wanted you to know that we do appreciate your vision and the tremendous way that you have stirred the world with fasting and prayer. We shall do all we can to push that part of the gospel. We are going to handle your books in our meetings and and shall order them in large quantities. You may send me 1,000 of your Because of Your Unbelief revival booklets. So that was T.L. Osborne's word to them. When David was in the midst of his enemies, who were full of hatred and evil works against him, he fasted and apparently lost much weight. But he, he overcame to see God's answers. In Psalm 109 and 23, he said, I'm gone like the shadow when it declineth. I am tossed up and down as the locust. My knees are weak through fasting. My flesh faileth of fatness. I am become also a reproach unto them. When they see me, they shake their head. Obviously. Some people do not understand why some would fast. I have a testimony I'll share with you about that later. Why would you do such a thing? It sounds crazy. (laughs) Well, we're seeing the advantages here, aren't we? David went on in verse 26. He said, Help me, O Lord my God. O save me according to thy loving kindness, that they may know that this is thy hand, that thou, Lord, hast done it. And then in the next psalm, Psalm 110, the Lord answered his enemies with judgment. And in Psalm 35, it was the same kind of a situation. Uh, was encompassed about with his enemies, full of hatred, vile, and so on and so forth. But he fasted and prayed for his enemies in this case. And in the following chapter, God judged them. It did not seem that God answered his prayer for their well-being. He judged them. 
and David was delivered. And that's Psalm 35 and 12. They reward me evil for good to the bereaving of my soul. But as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth, and I afflicted my soul with fasting. And my prayer returned into mine own bosom, meaning it, it, it wasn't something God was going to answer. He had put it in, he had in his mind to bring judgment upon them. And I behaved myself as though it had been my friend or my brother. I bowed down mourning as one that bewaileth his mother. Well, this is uh, pleasing to God, you know, that we pray for our enemies. We do good to those that despitefully use us. We turn the other cheek, and uh, we love them, right? It's obvious that um, we need at this particular time um, an awesome revival in this world. It's going down the drain very fast. And um, I would exhort everyone to fast and pray for this revival. There are many who are victims of Satan themselves and making other victims daily. And uh, they need your prayers. They need to escape. We're not wrestling with flesh and blood, but principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. And we need to be, as they say about the Marines, all that we can be, right? <laughs> and uh, let me say this, that I know some people are afraid of fasting, you know. But fasting is not only good for you, it is not to be feared. Um, I'd like to show you that fasting is not dangerous, but actually is very healthy and a source of healing to many, even those who do not know the Lord. Many people fast for health who do not know the Lord. And even though this is so, we are not preaching health through good food because the Lord teaches that it's all good for you if it is blessed. And, of course, you are blessed, right? First uh, Timothy 4 and 1 says, But the Spirit saith expressly that in latter times some shall fall away from the faith, and it has happened, just as he said, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons through the hypocrisy of men that speak lies branded in their own conscience as with a hot iron. And the proof of that is you can show them this verse and they'll totally ignore it. Forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats. This is people that don't understand the difference in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Commanding to abstain from meats, which God created to be received with thanksgiving by them that believe and know the truth. So people that know the truth, they don't do this. He's saying very plainly, for every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it's received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified through the word of God and prayer. So just remember that. Prayers of faith sanctify food, right? Amen. So, uh, 
You know, the Lord also said, it isn't what goes into your mouth that defiles you, but what comes out of your mouth that defiles you. In Mark 7 and 18, he said, And he saith unto them, Are you so without understanding also? Perceive ye not that whatsoever from without goeth into the man, it cannot defile him, because it goeth not into his heart, but into his belly, and goeth out into the drought. This he said, making all meats clean. Making all meats clean. If you're not convinced all meats are clean, how can you pray and sanctify it, right? Amen. You don't have any faith because you think God's, uh, you're doing something wrong, right? And he said, that which proceedeth out of the man, that defileth the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, evil thoughts proceed. Fornications, thefts, murders, adulteries, covetings, wickednesses, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, railing, pride, foolishness. All these evil things proceed from within and defile the man. So, of course, there is um, consequences to being defiled. That's what the curse is all about, right? Amen. And, um, you know, Peter, being steeped in the law, didn't understand that it was a parable of partaking of the nature of unclean people. So God gave it to him again. In other words, Jesus was showing that these Old Testament commands to abstain from meats were talking about people being unclean, and that's not partake of these people, like the people in the ark, right? <laughs> the animals in the ark that were with Noah, they represented the Gentiles who had come into the provision of the ark. And um, in Acts 11 and 4, But Peter began and expounded the matter unto them in order, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, a certain vessel descending, as it were, a great sheet let down from heaven by four corners. And it came even unto me, upon which, when I had fasted mine eyes, fastened my eyes, I considered and saw the four-footed beasts of the earth, and the wild beasts, and creeping things, and birds of heaven. And I heard also a voice saying unto me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, not so, Lord, for nothing common or unclean hath ever entered into my mouth. So Peter did not understand, or it didn't stick with him, what Jesus had told him earlier in Mark chapter 7. It didn't stick with him. And frankly, there's a lot of people today that go under the law as though it's their covenant. They're, and and. And many times they're not even Jews. And, of course, God didn't make the Old Covenant with Gentiles. He made it with the Jews. So they go under a covenant that's not theirs. 
and they break the covenant that is theirs when it tells us in the New Testament that God has made all these meats clean. And you can't convince them because many times it's a religious spirit. They want to be justified by their works, so they go back under the law. They feel comfortable that they've done something that makes them right with God. But that is, um, you know, like filthy rags before God, right? But a voice answered the second time out of heaven. What God hath cleansed, make not thou common. What God hath cleansed, make not thou common. Now, you know, if you were Peter, you'd probably be trembling and you'd be saying, yes, sir. But today, people don't tremble when they're caught up under the law. They make excuses and they pervert the word. Since the Lord has blessed it all, we should not deny his word and and curse it with our mouth. Well, and this was done three times. And all were drawn up into heaven again. Again, what we want to show is how fasting is naturally and spiritually good for you. But we don't preach it as a source of health through our works, which Jesus already accomplished through his sacrificial works. You know, Jesus said, All things whatsoever you pray and ask for, believe you received them, and you shall have them. And received there is past tense. Even in the received text, it has a note that it's past tense. And 1 Peter 2 and 24 says, Who his own self bear our sins in his body upon the tree, that we, having died unto sins, might live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. And I might add, if you were healed, then you are healed. And by calling the things that be not as though they were, we receive them. That's how faith works. Faith believes it has received, because it actually happened at the cross. We've already received our health. And the Lord said in Exodus 15 and 26 that I will put none of the diseases upon thee which I have put upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. That's divine health. You have to believe that you have been given this gift of divine health. And that you don't have to do anything, including fasting, for it. Now, can you fast for health? Of course you can. But what you, it's not the fasting that gives you the health. It is the faith and the confidence that the Lord puts in your heart, the power that he gives you, that gives you power to believe and receive, right? So, but fasting, naturally speaking, much of the world knows, is very good for your body. And people get healing from fasting who don't know about healing from Christ just naturally. Uh, I've taken some excerpts from Fasting for Vitality and Miraculous Cures from an organization called MiddlePath.com. And I'm only using the comments uh, from their article that are true of biblical fast 
using water. And um, it goes on to say, if you need some extra bounce in your step or want to lose weight, heal an ailment that is stopping you from enjoying life to the fullest, then fasting is for you. Again, this is not a Christian organization, but uh, they they uh, teach people fasting for health purposes. Okay, again, that's not my reason for pointing this out to you. My reason for pointing this out to you um, is that fasting is not bad for you. It's actually good for you. And they go on to say, uh, nature's oldest method of treating and curing disease is to fast. And it costs you nothing. Throughout medical history, fasting has been regarded as one of the most dependable curatives of all methods. Galen, Hippocrates, Paracelsus, and many other great authorities on medicine prescribed fasting to cure ills. To this day, fasting is recommended as one of the most effective ways to eliminate serious diseases. One of the most common cause of all diseases is the accumulation of waste and poisonous matter in the body, which can result from overeating. This is a big problem in America, folks. Overeating is a big problem. Many people are sick because of it. And eating toxic processed foods. This is uh, two of the things that they say. And uh, my thought here is that um, cutting out a disease may stop it from spreading, but it does not deal with the cause and is not a cure. Repentance and faith is the primary and only necessary biblical cure. In the natural realm, fasting deals with a cause. It's not dealing with the effect. And like I said, many people only deal with the effect and they find that the cause is still there and so it continues to come back. But in that way, fasting is uh, an important and healthy thing. It goes on to say, in the Western civilization, most people eat far too much and live sedentary lives and occupations resulting in insufficient exercise for utilization of large quantity of food that they eat. In other words, overloading any system will stop it from working. Excess food overburdens the digestive and assimilative organs and clogs up the system with poisons and impurities which then becomes sluggish and doesn't function properly. Well, besides that, gluttony is a sin, which has consequences. You know, 1 Peter 2.11, Beloved, I beseech you as sojourners and pilgrims to abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. So there's a spiritual consequence, And there's also physical consequences. 
from gluttony. And it's a very common problem in America. It's a sin. And it needs to be treated that way. And people who have it need to repent and not make excuses. Uh, many times, like an alcoholic, um, gluttonous people make excuses. Second Peter 1 and 6 says, And in your knowledge, self-control. And in your self-control, patience. Uh, gluttons don't have self-control. And many times it is a demon spirit, and it just needs to be cast out. But a person has to repent, or it will be coming right back, right? And in your patience, godliness. Uh, Proverbs uh, 3 and 20 says, Be not among wine-bibbers, among gluttonous eaters of flesh, Verse 21, for the drunkard and the glutton shall come to poverty, and drowsiness will clothe a man with rags. And, of course, Galatians 5 and 24, and they that are of Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with the passions and the lusts thereof. Amen. And you know what fasting does? It crucifies your flesh and the lusts. Of having to have food. Some people eat three meals a day, big meals a day, and they don't burn up that much energy and it goes right straight to fat. And some people, they eat three big meals a day and they don't need it that much, but it, it doesn't go towards their health. Even though they may not be fat, it doesn't go towards health. It's unhealthy to overeat. Because it's a curse that's upon gluttony. And Proverbs 28 and 7 says, Whoso keepeth the law is a wise son, but he that is a companion of gluttons shameth his father. It was looked upon as a sin. Now it's looked upon as a weakness. And uh, the article goes on to say, uh, The beginning of disease is merely the process of the body ridding the system of impurities. Just about any disease can be healed by one remedy, by doing just the opposite of what caused it. Reducing the food intake or fasting. Fasting is merely a method of purification and is an effective and quick cure. It also leads to purification of the blood and repairs and regenerates the tissues of the body. By depriving the body of food for a time, the organs of elimination, such as the bowels, kidneys, lungs, and skin, are given an opportunity to expel and get rid of the overload of accumulated waste and toxins from the system. Most ancient customs and almost every religion uses the practice of fasting, which gives clarity of mind and a raised consciousness. Being deprived of needed nutrients like fats and protein during a long fast, the body, by the process of autolysis or self-digestion, feeds upon its own reserves 
and burns and digests its own tissues. The secret of the effectiveness of fasting as a curative and rejuvenative method is that during a long fast, the body will first decompose and burn those cells and tissues that are diseased, damaged, or dead. The essential tissues and vital organs, the glands, the nervous system, and the brain are not damaged or digested in fasting. Whilst fasting, the building of new and healthy cells are accelerated by the amino acids released from the diseased cells. The capacity of the eliminative organs, kidneys, liver, lungs, and skin, is greatly increased as they are relieved of the usual work of digesting food and eliminating the wastes and quickly expel old accumulated wastes and toxins. Fasting offers a rest to the whole system, and as a result, the digestion of food and the absorption of nutrients is greatly improved after fasting. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but after fasting your taste buds, everything tastes better. I'll say this while I'm on that is is if you put anything with flavor into your mouth and it goes into your stomach, it keeps your taste buds open and you generally stay more hungry than if you just fast with water, as is the biblical method. Right? So they go on with the article, Fasting gives stressed cells a rest. Fasting can be done one day per week preferably on the same day of the week, or anything from three days to a month, or longer depending upon the age of the person, circumstance, or severity of the disease. It is advisable to take it slow, starting off with a series of short fasts of two or three days. I I don't know if I agree with this or not. I mean, I never have worried about these rules. I just, if I've Went to fasting, I just asked the Lord and <clears throat> and asked him to tell me when to stop or tell me ahead of time when to stop. And the article goes on to say, I've seen people fast on pure water only for 40 days, but this needs to be done under professional supervision only. Well, I would say the only truly professional supervision is the Lord. Because he knows it all. He knows your system. He knows your body. He knows everything. He knows what he's going to empower you to do that man doesn't even understand. So he's the only truly professional supervision that you you need. But ask him when you start and stop a fast, right? The article goes on to say, for the chronically sick person, it is advisable not to exceed a week of fasting at a time, as it is better to slowly eliminate toxic waste without seriously affecting the natural functioning of the body. <clears throat> Again, God can take care of your natural functioning if you know how to hear the voice of the Lord, listen to Him. He is the most important one. But I will say this, that shorter fasts are also better when a person is doing heavy labor. All right. 
the article goes on, ailments that are highly beneficial to fasting are all kinds of intestinal, stomach, liver, kidney conditions, and many more uh, people have witnessed and testified of. But because these things affect the rest of the body, right? The article goes on. Fasting offers the only permanent cure in many cases of eczema and other skin diseases and has miraculous results. And I, I might add um, that it will wipe out pimples in teenagers. And they don't know that. It's a good thing for them to pray while they do it, <laughs> too. Um, the article goes on. Behavioral and nervous disorders respond exceptionally well with fasting and have a normalizing, stabilizing, and rejuvenating effect on all the vital, vital physiological, nervous, and mental functions. And I might say, too, that they don't really probably understand that demons can come out when you're fasting. Because some of these things are the result of demons of infirmity. People who are obese or overweight find it much easier to go without food, and because they know they will be losing weight, their attitude makes it a pleasurable experience. Well, amen. And if you know that it's pleasing God, it's also a pleasurable experience. Just my little note there. Usually the first day of fasting, there may be hunger pangs. Gradually this will decrease, and after three days there will be no appetite. Well, that's certainly been true for me. That's how, you know. Uh, and I might add, too, that strength returns, because sometimes in the first three days you feel a little slumpy. <laughs> Is that a word? I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, uh, this, your strength returns. And uh, the article goes on that the simple rule is to stop eating until the appetite returns or until one feels completely well. Yeah, your body knows, you know, when you need something. And sometimes God tells you through your body when you need to stop the fast and, and start eating again. Sometimes people's um, appetite don't return for 40 days, you know. That's a possibility, too. So you just have to listen to God, and, and if your body tells you something, you know, ask God, and etc. Right? Seriously sick people have no desire for food, and, and fasting comes naturally to them. Nature knows what their body needs, and, and God, too, right? Simple exercises like short walks for the very ill may be undertaken during the fast. Serious conditions need to be supervised, and most health retreats use fasting successfully for a variety of ills, including cancer. See, some people don't know that. But that cancer is one of the things your body can turn on when you fast, right? Uh, well, the supervision here, again, I'm, I say, is the Lord, right? I've never had anybody supervise me while I fasted, but I've never received anything but good from fasting. And uh, now they say fasting should not be used 
in every illness. Well, that's unless the Lord says so, right? In cases of diabetes, advanced stages of tuberculosis, and extreme cases of neurasthenia, long fasts will be harmful. Well, my thought is, in, in such cases, spirits of infirmity should be cast out of a believer who is repented, just like Jesus and his disciples did, and as they told us to do, right? Because uh, demons can are opposed to fasting all the time. And in particular, these particular spirits of infirmity are opposed to fasting. So, ask the Lord. And make sure you repent so that you have God's favor, right? The article goes on and says, uh, Dr. Ragnar Berg, a Nobel Prize winner, and an authority on nutrition says, quote, One can fast a long time. We know of fasts of over a hundred days duration. So we have no need of fearing that we will die of hunger. Unquote. In this same article, a couple lived without food for seven weeks and survived after a plane crash. Hmm. So you see, um, the devil, and all kinds of quirky things happen when you fast sometimes. Your body is going through a change and you have little, little aches and pains maybe here and there, but you know, that's not a problem. (laughs) Uh, like I said, uh, just listen to the Lord, right? It's very important to break the fast properly as the success of the fast depends largely on how it is broken. Uh, This is the most significant phrase. Well, I know they had a lot of things in there about breaking a fast, but in my own experience, I just did what they do in the Bible. I just stopped, you know. (laughs) Um, The most important thing about breaking a fast is um, do it when the Lord leads you to and Resist the temptation to pig out afterwards, uh, which is always displeasing to him, and it's also against scriptural commands, right? Amen. Let me say this about fasting without water. Most health professionals will tell you that fasting without water will kill you after about three to seven days. However, this is uh, leaving God out of the equation Moses fasted without water for 40 days. And as we saw, Paul did it for three. Exodus 34 and 28 says, And and he, that is Moses, was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. He did neither eat bread nor drink water. Well, some say about this that he was able to do this because he was with God. Well, I, I hope that we're all with God. <laughs> right? Second Corinthians 13 and 5 says, Know ye not as to your own selves that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed ye be reprobate. So, water fasting is the most common in Scripture, and in the natural it's easier on your body. But I've fasted for many years, weekly, and seen miracles, healings, deliverances, provisions, and revelations from God during that time. And I've been led of the Lord to fast without water many times. 
I do not advise it without the Lord's leading. Once I had been fasting without water for more than a week on a 12-hour shift, and I was working at Exxon, and I had a crew of people working under me to turn a unit around, and my immediate boss asked me if I would like a piece of his cake, and I politely turned him down, and before it was over, I had to politely turn him down about twice more, and finally I just had to tell him, uh, well, I'm fasting, you know, because he just wasn't accepting no for an answer. <laughs> so anyway, he looked at me puzzled. You know, he wasn't a religious person, you know. And um, then the next thing I hear from the big boss, he's calling me in to talk to me. He says, what's all this about you fasting during a turnaround? I said, well, I am. He said, well, why do you do that? Oh, I said, to draw close to God and to hear from him and et cetera, et cetera. And he said, well, well, doesn't this uh, hurt your job? I said, no, it doesn't. As a matter of fact, we have taken on all of our work and finished it, and we are now doing the other crew's work. So he really didn't have anything to say about that. And that was the end of the story. Um, By God's grace, I have fasted for two weeks without water before and suffered no ill effects whatsoever. Again, this is God. Now, I'm not saying this is normal for people um, in the natural, who are not trusting in God, I don't know what is their situation. Okay, All I can do is tell you what the Lord has done through me. Some side effects are common to fast with water and without water. And uh, that is, sometimes there is a slight headache about the third day when poisons are that are stored up in the body tissues begin to leave the body. Heavy coffee drinkers usually experience this the worst. So if you get a bad headache, and you're a heavy coffee drinker, guess what? Probably need to back off of the coffee, right? Especially during a fast. (laughs) These poisons can enter the body in other ways besides food. It is uh, part of our body's God-created health system that these poisons are captured and not allowed to affect the body. The real power of fasting is not what it does physically, but what it does spiritually in crucifying the flesh so that the spirit man may come forward and take his rightful position as leader of your life underneath the guidance and power of the Holy Spirit. In this, in this way, healings and deliverances and provisions of every sort become empowered, which is a good thing, wouldn't you say? Uh, there's a boy evangelist uh, in history. His name is Little David. You've probably heard of him. And it came about through fasting and prayer. He was born in Phoenix, Arizona in 1934. And he prayed his first prayer in three years of age. And at five, little David was about to go blind. He went on a three-day fast with prayer, going into the woods with some other little boys to pray. And Satan talked to him and tried to discourage him the first day. But he kept praying and fasting. On the third day, he went into the woods again, and his prayer became more intense. The fast became prayer too. Um, The windows of heaven opened, and he received the Holy Spirit after the Bible pattern. And instantly, he was completely healed and came home shouting. And at the age of six, he had another wonderful experience. At seven, he was injured in a Taxi cab and again healed in answer to prayer. At nine years of age, he was called to preach. 
And at that age, his spirit left the body for five hours. Little David was in heaven. And a great light flashed in front of him, and he was called into the ministry. Jesus told me to go and open my mouth, and he would fill it. I also received knowledge of many things that are going to come to pass, stated little David. Well, there's much more to this remarkable story of little David than appears on the surface. If we go back before he was born, little David's father, uh, Jack Walker, was not seeing souls saved. He became heavily burdened, crying out to God almost night and day, and still he was not satisfied. And then he undertook a fast in almost ceaseless agony and prayer for lost men and women he received from the somber heavens above, it says, a ray of hope, although he did not know what it was all about. This much he did know that God had answered his prayer. He felt that victory was his without a shadow of a doubt. His fast and prayer lasted for 14 days. Immediately at the conclusion of this fast, a soul was given to the parents. And nine months later, his son David was born. This child evangelist was to do more than his father could ever do and was very definitely given an answer to most fervent prayers and fasting. Tony Couchy wrote, uh, Thousands came to hear the boy evangelist preach the gospel with as much zeal and power as many who had years of crusade experience. Amazing miracles and supernatural manifestations accompanied little David's ministry. He worked with the best-known healing evangelist of the Voice of Healing organization as a young man. The fir their first mention of little David was the very first edition of The Voice of Healing in April of 1948 in an article by Jack Moore. Two separate campaigns in Miami were held in January and February. The first time, the Branham Party, William Branham, as you know, was a famous healing evangelist, uh, went as guests of Little David's campaign, the phenomenal boy preacher of 13, who with his manager, Reverend Raymond Hoekstra, and the Kinsey Party had been engaged in several weeks meeting under the new spacious tent cathedral, which they offered to accommodate the crowds, which always followed the Branham campaigns. So there were signs and wonders and miracles in his ministry. He also went to England and preached, and same thing, signs and wonders and miracles. And uh, started with uh, fasting and prayer. Amen. Well, Father, we, uh, we ask you, Lord, to impress us with the power of fasting and prayer to change situations, to empower, to give faith, to deliver, to heal, etc., etc., to see miracles. We ask, Lord, that you would impress your people to fast and pray, and especially, Lord, for this coming revival that you have promised us. And we give thanks unto you, Father, for doing miraculously and abundantly above all we can ask or think. We thank you for it, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, uh, Saints, uh, Brother Michael,
Hare is going to come and share a word with you. Father, we ask you to bless Michael and anoint him mightily uh, to bless your people and touch them. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, okay. Good night, saints. God bless you. For information, materials, and to contribute, go to unleavenedbreadministries.org. Contributions only may be addressed to David Eels, Post Office Box 231616, Montgomery, Alabama, 36123. Still